1: Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon Podcast has revolutionized over 20 million bedtimes with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cozy sleep meditations, every episode has been specially designed to make bedtime's a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Hi guys, and welcome to a new episode of You Need Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat, and I am the host. Before we get started on anything, I just wanna remind everybody, especially if you're new, that although I'm a therapist and the podcast is called You Need Therapy, this podcast does not and can't serve as a replacement or substitute for actual mental health services. However, I always like to say it may add to your journey and it also might encourage you to go to therapy. It might encourage you to talk about something new in therapy and it also just might be a nice thing to listen to. So a couple of weeks ago, I recorded an episode of this podcast called Social Sessions and it's a podcast about social media strategy and what we talked about, it was supposed to just be an episode about how um, social media can affect mental health and all that comes along with that. You guys know that I love to talk about that. And we ended up talking a little bit about how authenticity and vulnerability have become somewhat trends for influencers, whether it's on TikTok or on Instagram or whatever other platform you're using. And although I had seen that and realized that and noticed that in my head, I'd never kind of heard it put into just words like that, oh, authenticity is is trending on social media. And so then a week or two later, I was reading a article on psychology today and it was talking about secrecy and the whole magazine, that whole edition of the magazine was about secrets. And it was this article about secrecy and why we keep certain secrets and what kind of secrets actually hurt us and what kind of secrets are like, okay to keep. And I just had this light bulb moment and was like, oh my God, we need to have a little conversation on therapy." So this is that conversation. So I wanna start out with this idea of something being trendy. What does it mean for something to be trendy? And according to vocabulary.com, our trusted source, Trendy describes something that's stylish or popular, like skinny jeans or fancy coffee drinks. If your shoes are the newest, coolest kind of sneakers, they are trendy. If all of your neighbors seem to suddenly have Great Dane puppies, you can say that's a trendy dog breed in your neighborhood. And oftentimes, something that is trendy is something that a lot of people are doing that at first it seems like weird or off or like, ugh, kind of like, uh, it's kind of like almost cringy. Yeah. When 90s style came back last year, and I specifically remember somebody wearing those like Steve Madden black platform shoes with like the stretchy, thick band on the front, I was like, oh no, like those shoes are so ugly. I can't believe we ever wore them. And now a lot of people are wearing them and they're like cute and cool. And to be honest, I'm like, I wish I still had mine. Now, staying on trend essentially kind of keeps you like in the in crowd, it allows you to fit in, and there's a lot of enticement to this right like after all i think most of us would agree that we want to be liked we want to be well received we want to be admired or thought highly of and the thing about trends is that it's not just about clothes it's really about anything it can be the language you use the food we eat like when cauliflower everything became a thing when gluten-free everything became a thing like the diets were on when keto was cool when paleo was cool like all this stuff the hobbies we engage in the workouts we do, like just being in the fitness industry myself, I've seen how like the different workouts have changed and, and developed and what people like now and where they want to be seen and all that. And this can even go to like the vacation spots we visit. Like it's cool to go here now. It's cool to go here now. Everybody's going to Asheville. Then everybody's going to Nashville. Then everybody's going to LA. Then everybody's going to the Almafi coast and you know, the list goes on. And another thing about trends is, I think we should note this, they come and they go. They're constantly changing. And to stay with the trends, you have to constantly be changing as well. So authenticity being trendy kind of seems like an oxymoron to me. Like, how does that work? If they always change and you have to always change, but authenticity is something that's static. It's just like who you are. Like, how is that? You know, it just, it's confusing. But right now, The reality is authenticity and vulnerability are words that are sure to help like your like SEO if you are using them regularly. It's what the people want as they say. But my question that I kind of want to dig into is, is it really what they want? And are we actually giving them that? Are we actually giving authenticity? Are we actually giving vulnerability? Are we giving something else? So today I do want to talk about how these two things are showing up in our world, why it's good, because honestly, part of it is good. And how it can actually sometimes cause more harm than help. So let's get into it. I want to start where I even first remember hearing the words vulnerability and authenticity in a new way. So I started hearing about the power of vulnerability in 2012 when I was a therapist at a treatment center and I was actually an intern therapist and I was in a group and part of the group was this therapist handed out these laminated cards and the cards had a quote from Brene Brown in which when I got the card, I pronounced her name Bren Brown. I had no idea who this woman was. And I was directed to go watch a couple of TED Talk videos that she had recently done. And I immediately did it that night. I remember sitting in my bed, I was living in East Nashville in this like weird loft thing that didn't have a door. And I just remember getting in my bed and being sucked into these videos. And in her first TED Talk, which was called The Power of Vulnerability, is like one of the most downloaded to this day. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but like crazy, crazy viral. Brene started this conversation that's still going on today. Like that's when I started really hearing about like what it means to be vulnerable and why we want to be that way. And then that TED Talk was then followed by her TED Talk, Listening to Shame both are amazing. I mean, both sent me immediately to the bookstore to pick up Daring Greatly, which is one of her books. So if you haven't read that, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. And if you haven't listened to her TED Talks, I highly recommend those. You can just search The Power of Vulnerability or Listening to Shame. Honestly, you can just search Brene Brown TED Talk. You'll probably find more than that. So even as a therapist, I'm not going to lie to you guys. You, You guys know I like to be honest on here. I was not somebody who was routinely sharing my feelings with my friends and family. I was quite the opposite. I was, even in the beginning, uncomfortable, like even being a therapist. Like it wasn't natural for me to this day. It's a mystery of how I really got into this profession, but I'm glad I did. But my family didn't really talk about feelings growing up. And instead of, talking about things we kind of just like swept them under the rug we would get in fights and arguments and then we would just like not talk to each other for a couple days and then pretend like nothing happened sounds strange now but like that's how we did things and I kind of thought that's like just what you did because it's what I knew and I grew up in a family of athletes too so we shook a lot of things off we didn't complain for example, if we got hurt, we aren't going to complain unless something's like broken. If we have a bruise or if something's sore or whatever, like you don't get to complain about that. And my mom even will joke about this one time, I think I was in eighth grade in a soccer game. I broke my ankle and then I like broke, broke it in two places, like completely broken. And she took me to the hospital immediately. And she will joke about now, like I wouldn't have taken you to the hospital. If all the other parents and all the other people there weren't making it a big deal, I would have just taken you at home and kind of seen what would happen the next day and see if you could walk it off. And then we get there and it's like, yeah, your ankle's broken in two places and this is bad and you need to be in a cast immediately. But in 2012, back when I was this therapist intern, things were different. We had Facebook and Instagram, like we had social media. I had Facebook all through college, I got Instagram the year after college but they weren't what they are today we didn't have them the way we have them now and it was normal to not have an instagram and there wasn't a such thing as an influencer like i didn't know what that was and you kind of really followed the people that you knew like you followed your friends and you couldn't post stories it also was embarrassing like over my dead body would i post more than one picture a week especially post more than once a day and now with stories we're posting like every hour so things were very different even if we had social media having it was just a different experience you weren't posting like you did now so obviously social media has changed over the years and I don't want to like beat a dead horse here when it comes to the conversations I've had On the podcast about social media and the effect that it has on our mental health. But I do think it's important to talk about how even things like vulnerability are being taken advantage of now, twisted now, and misconstrued. And social media does play a big role in that.
3: Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers
5: We've talked a lot also about how words can lose their power and they will continue to do so at the rate we're going. Anything that happens to anyone now is trauma. Every jerk is a narcissist and every person who lies is gaslighting. Like we've just kind of like oversimplified certain terms so they are kind of like overarching and we can apply them to whatever we want. They're kind of buzzwords. They gain attention. They make us feel, I don't know, some of us might feel smarter when we're using certain words, but. What I also see happening is every person who's posting a picture without a filter is vulnerable and anyone who shares a photo of themselves crying is being authentic. But wait a second, do we even know what any of these words mean anymore? Or are we just following the buzzwords and trends? So back in my internship, the same one where I found that card from Brene Brown, I learned a lot about addiction. I learned a lot about AA, the big book, the 12 steps and everything in between and i never found myself actually working the 12 sets myself i was never somebody who regularly attended meetings or was part of that community but we used that and that was a resource that a lot of our clients used and so i it was exposed to a lot of just like their beliefs how they work and a lot of the sayings that come in AA groups or any of those kinds of groups and one of them that will always stick with me is Secrets make you sick. Like I was saying in the beginning of this episode, I read this recent article in the July issue of Psychology Today titled, Why We Keep So Many Secrets. And it was by a man named David Luden. He's a doctor of sorts. And in it, he wrote, secrecy is intentionally withholding personal information from one or more persons. Keeping secrets can often be harmful in the long run, both physically and psychologically. However, according to psychologists, Michael Slepian and Alex coach, I don't know if I'm pronouncing their names correctly. It's not the withholding that hurts us. Instead, it's the ruminating that harms. And we know, and part of this, we know from Brene Brown and her work and her research that secrecy is the breeding ground for shame and shame feeds off of silence. It also feeds off of secrecy. It's suffocated also by vulnerability and connection. So shame is suffocated by vulnerability which is sometimes the opposite of secrecy but not always so this man later writes why are some secrets so harmful concealing information can be psychologically damaging because the secret holder has no opportunity to discuss the contents with other people when we have problems it helps to share them with others Who can provide us with insight on how to deal with them? But when it comes to secrets that are high on the immorality dimension, we feel shame and are reluctant to share, often for good reason. However, secrets high on the other two dimensions are less likely to lead to emotional harm. For instance, undisclosed information high on the connectedness dimension reassures us that we have valuable social or intimate relationships. So a lot of what I'm hearing in this, if it's hard to like, well, why are you reading this part? It's hard to understand. A lot of what I'm hearing is that secrets can keep you sick and you don't have to share everything. Being authentic, being real, being vulnerable doesn't mean that you have nothing inside of you that everyone in the world isn't privy to. Being vulnerable was the key to a lot of healing and still is. After all, we know we can't heal what we don't acknowledge. I can't help anyone work through shame if I don't know what they are struggling with. What I'm not saying is that we shouldn't be vulnerable and we shouldn't try to be authentic. That is what I want for sure. That's I really want us to actually be able to do those things. But it's almost becoming performative and taking away the real promise that authenticity is supposed to bring, which is freedom. So as the research Brene Brown was doing became more popular and as our culture started paying more attention to feelings and as therapy has been losing its negative stigma and younger generations are tirelessly working to shake off the sweep it under the rug attitudes that have been passed down for generations... Talking about vulnerability began to become almost like a cool thing to do. Not so much because it was becoming more accepted. I think a lot of this was because it became trending. And, and I want to talk to you guys about like why I think it is that way. Why I think it's because it's trending and not because it's like accepted or real. And I want you guys to know that in all of what I'm saying, this is not black and white. So I think there is a lot of realness out there. There is a lot of real authenticity. There is a lot of real vulnerability out there, but we're also confusing that with a lot of performative. So the problem is when something becomes cool, people want to do it because it's cool. And so then we're performing, like think about trends in clothes. You might think something's disgusting and then everybody's wearing it. So you're like, oh my gosh, I have to get that now too like the platform shoes. So it's a performance Did I really like that. Or do I like that now because everybody else likes it and because it's cool and because what people are wearing. So enter performative authenticity and performative vulnerability. Some of you guys might remember this. A lot of you guys might remember this or even just like know about hearing it. But in 2015, this woman named Rachel Hollis who mind you, I find extremely toxic and damaging as a person of influence Another story for another time, but she posted a bikini picture of herself on Instagram that went viral. And this particular picture was one of her showcasing and in her words, this is what she wrote, her flabby skin, saggy belly button, and stretch marks. When she posted that, the internet went viral. She became somewhat of like an icon in the body positivity world. Mind you, that is its own disaster that we don't have time for today. And that vulnerable, authentic picture became a really great business move. And I don't know what the intention was. I don't know. But it did become that. What this picture did is it gained a lot of attention. And what is it that we settle for when we don't feel good enough or that we reach out for when we don't feel good enough about ourselves? We go search for attention. And again, I will say, I do not know. I, I don't know what Rachel Hollis's intentions were when she posted that. It's, it's no secret to people who listen to this podcast regularly that I think her way of motivating people is very damaging and scary. But in 2015, who knows? Maybe she was really trying to be real with people. But what happened is being real became a strategy because of how that picture performed on the internet. And when being authentic becomes a strategy... Vulnerability is compromised. Vulnerability becomes calculated, and this is not authentic. It can't be. It can't be authentic if it's calculated and if it's a strategy. As humans, I believe that we have these two innate desires to be loved and then also to be ourselves, AKA to be authentic. Well, when we don't feel loved, we end up creating strategies that help us maintain a manufactured feeling of love we settle for attention and admiration. And the cost of that is often our authenticity. We pick up or we drop certain parts of ourselves to gain this thing, to gain the attention, to gain this like manufactured feeling of love and belonging. In our world, belonging trumps authenticity, which also is a whole thing because when we are changing ourselves in order to belong where we're not belonging we're fitting in and that's a very different thing because belonging is something that we do when we just get to show up fitting in is something that we do when we change ourselves in order to be accepted but that's what happens when we can't get this one thing that we're born this one desire that we're born just desiring in our core we become really really creative and it has a cost our creativity has a cost And it costs who we truly are a lot of times.
4: Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia... I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this hundred-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later... The co CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Authenticity in its own right isn't cool. It isn't trendy. It can't be. We've kind of established that. We can't control who our authentic selves are. We can only accept them and be those people. So when people started posting pictures of themselves crying on Instagram, I think in the beginning it was in good nature. We had these kind of trailblazers in their own right trying to show us that life isn't all that it looks like on Instagram. And for good reason, the public liked this. And that's why I say, I don't know Rachel Hollis's intentions when she posted that bikini picture. It could have been like, hey, I want you guys to know I struggle too. And my life isn't what everybody thinks it might be. I have no idea. I didn't follow her back then. I still don't follow her. But I feel like I needed to say that. But I think in the beginning, when people started posting these like more like raw images, it wasn't to get a following it was to say like hey i don't want you to get the wrong idea i'm a fan of that but i want us to be careful because since that ended up being a good marketing strategy to gain a following people started curating vulnerability and authenticity people started just even using those words throwing those words in to hook us because Honestly, we're craving that, especially as like a more like younger generation, the the millennials, the Gen Zs, like we actually crave more of an intense connection than people have in the past. And that's a great thing. I think that we're healing a lot of like the stuff when it comes to mental health that was like kind of, again, swept under the rug and on our past. So there's more people that are wanting more stuff like that. But we have to be careful when those words are used to hook us in and get our attention rather than, Used in their right because they fit whatever's happening in that moment. So, now what do we do? Right? Like, should we all just be fake? So then we're definitely not creating a false sense of authenticity? Like, is that the solution? And no, I don't think it is. I don't really think that there is an answer at all of what we exactly need to do. And to be honest, I don't know if I'm even the right person to give the exact answer to this. I think it needs to be a conversation that we're having with multiple people with multiple different kinds of people, people that are more in the social media world, people that are more in the research world when it comes to vulnerability and authenticity, people that are therapists, people that are just regular people. I think what we need is a constant conversation with all different kinds of people to come up with an answer, but I want us to start being just more aware and maybe those conversations will then develop Because then I want us to have the ability to choose with more autonomy what we're taking in, what information we're taking in, what forms of authenticity and vulnerability that we're taking in. And going back to that secret keeping conversation, I want you guys to know that to be real, to be authentic and to be vulnerable, you don't have to share everything. Not sharing everything doesn't mean you're not real. I think it just means you are holding certain parts of your life sacred to you and your most connected relationships. We don't really have the capacity to be vulnerable 24-7. Vulnerability carries a certain level of stress that we should not be experiencing 24-7. But just like cardio is good for us, we can't spend all day running. That would not be good for us. It's almost like too much of a good thing ruins it. And if we're trying to be vulnerable 24/7, 24/7 we're either creating a watered down version of vulnerability or we're causing ourselves unnecessary harm and stress or we're really not being vulnerable. To be authentic is to be yourself. It doesn't mean I'm sharing every detail of my life with everyone I know. And honestly, there is a quote that I love. And I heard this on Annie F. Down's podcast. That sounds fun. A couple years ago, when she was going through the Enneagram, she did these like Enneagram summers where she would like go through every single number on the Enneagram separately. And I don't even know what number this quote came from, but it was something along the lines of be authentic with everyone and transparent with few. And I love that because I can be myself with everybody doesn't mean that everybody's getting the same exact intensity of who I am, but I can be myself with everybody. Like me not sharing everything with everybody is not me being fake. That's just who I am in those certain circumstances. Like when I go to a new group of people, when I'm in a room full of new people, I'm not going to be the same that I am when I'm with my best friends. I'm not being fake. I'm still being myself. I'm being the most real version of myself that I'm comfortable being in that moment. So I really like this of be authentic with everyone and transparent with few. Not everybody needs to know your deepest, darkest secrets. Not everybody needs to know what happened on your worst day. Not everybody needs to know when you're crying. Not everybody needs to know when you're happy. Not everybody needs to know when you had tragedy. Not everybody needs to know what you said in your therapy session this week. Not everybody needs to know that. I think there is a sacredness and there is something we get out of having certain relationships that have more information and more intensity and more denseness in them than others. I think there's a sacredness and there's an importance of us having conversations with whether it's a therapist or a best friend that we don't then go share on the internet. I think that there's something about that. It can create some really good feelings inside of us. When we think back on those relationships, I love thinking about my relationship with my therapist, knowing she knows more about me than anybody in the world. She really does. She knows things that my best friends don't know. She knows things that my parents don't know. And I'm, I don't ever plan on telling them those things. But I'm able to be vulnerable with her, work on those things with her. And that alleviates that secrets keep you sick thing. That alleviates some of that. I can share that with one person and it lets go of some of that for me. So that really kind of sums it up, that last quote. I can be real with someone and them not know every insecurity I have. That's not being fake. So I hope this was helpful and I hope this kind of created some thinking in y'all, whether it's what you are going to choose to follow and see on Instagram, what you are going to choose to post on Instagram, how you share your life. You're in charge of that and there's not one right or or one wrong way to do it. It's very individualistic because again, we're all different. I I say that all the time. I feel like in every episode, everybody needs something different because we're all different. But I hope this just kind of makes you think a little bit more when you're seeing what content is doing well. And when we're looking at what am I going to post and why am I doing this? Because I want the illusion of being authentic because what that might bring, because I need attention because I don't feel loved because I don't belong right now. Or am I doing this because it feels right? Am I doing this because this is a challenge for me? And am I doing this because this is what I need to do right now? Authentically. If you have any questions about this episode, you can send them to Catherine at Union Therapy Podcast. And if you have a question about any episode or anything, really, I might not always answer those questions, but you can send them to Catherine at Union Therapy Podcast.com. If you want to follow me, you can follow at cat.defada. That is my personal Instagram. And if you want to follow the podcast, you can follow that at Union Therapy Podcast. Again, I hope that you enjoyed listening to this and it kind of brought up some ideas in your head. And I hope that you guys have the day you need to have the week you need to have, the morning you need to have. And I will talk to you guys on Wednesday for Couch Talks.
1: Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon Podcast has revolutionized over 20 million bedtimes, with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cozy sleep meditations, every episode has been specially designed To make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.